Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Well, good morning, Lifehouse. Well, that was a little bit weak. I think we can do better than that. Good morning, Lifehouse. Yeah, that's a little bit better. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here with us on Student Sunday, whether you were joining us in the house this morning or online. It's great to have you. Or if you're checking us out after the fact at the, during the podcast, that's uh, also another great way you can hear the sermons this morning. But for those of you that may not know me, my name is Andrew Manival. I have the privilege and the honor of being the student ministry pastor here at LifeHouse. I get to be all these kids' pastors, all these teenagers' pastors. It's a, a, a great privilege and an honor for me to do that. But we are here... Um, um, my wife and I and our little girl, Lucy, um, have been coming to... Li- <laughs> she is with her grandparents this morning. Everybody knows Lucy. She's Lifehouse famous at this point, but... <laughs> Or infamous, I should say, maybe, but uh, but yeah. So this morning, uh, but anyway, so we've been part of Lifehouse since 2016, since we got married and moved to the area. Uh, but it's great to be here this morning with you guys as well. But this morning, I want to open up with a story, and uh, the story. It's a Monday like any other. One day, and a pastor is on his way to the office. He's on his way into work, right after after preaching the sermon, preaching on Sunday, and he takes the bus to work this day. And unlike, uh, and, and like normal, he goes and he pays his fare for the bus, but this, day, this Monday morning, the bus driver gives him too much change back. And the pastor takes the money and looks at it, and he gets back in his seat, and he's counting it, and he's like, well, that's too much money. The, the bus driver gave me too much money. So he starts doing what a lot of us Christians would do. We start rationalizing. We're like, oh, well, God has blessed us, and we've been so like privileged, and you know, God's taking care of me. But the longer his ride went, the more it went on, he, he said, I can't, I can't live with himself. And he went to the bus driver at the end and said, hey, sir, I'm sorry, there's been a mistake. You gave me too much change back. And the bus driver said, no, there's no mistake, actually. He just smiles at him and says, no, there's no mistake, actually. And the pastor looks at him inquisitively and he says, well, he says, pastor, I was at your church on Sunday and you preached on integrity and I was putting you to the test. So, <laughs> so this morning we're going to talk about integrity. Integrity as defined by the world, is nothing more than just living a steadfast, steadfastly to a moral or ethical code. But as followers of Jesus, integrity for us is so much more. For us, we are commanded by God to not just possess integrity, not just have it in, you know, not just have integrity, but to live a life full of it. God rather expects us to live a life of integrity. And you might be saying, well, you know, maybe I'm not 100% honest all the time. Maybe I, you know, what's the point? What's the harm in a white lie, right? At least I go to church, you know, on Sunday mornings. At least I'm here, you know, for one gathering or maybe even two sometimes. And, you know, these little white lies never really hurt anybody, right? Maybe isn't that more important to God that I'm here than if, you know, if I was completely honest all the time? Isn't that, isn't that better, me being a good Christian, than having this, this integrity? But we're going to turn in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 3. If you've got your paper Bibles, which is awesome, I'm always encouraged when I see people bringing their Bibles, or if you've got your iPads or whatever, or the, words, the verse will be on the screen as well. But before we dig into the passage, I want to give a little background on the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is in the Old Testament of, Old Testament of the Bible. It is mostly authored by, by one man, and that is King Solomon. King Solomon was one of the ancient kings of the nation of Israel, uh, a son of David, and was one of the most um, honored and revered and successful kings in all of the history of Israel. 
Well, Solomon was so, so honored and so revered by his people because he honored God, because he lived a life that was pleasing to God. So God comes to him in a dream one night, and he says, Solomon, ask me for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom. So the book of Proverbs is this wisdom that Solomon has, had gleaned from, from God, and in, through that quest for wisdom, we see uh, Solomon's writings in the book of Proverbs. But Proverbs 21.3 says, The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and what is just than if we offer him sacrifices. This verse is saying that God is more pleased when we live a life full of integrity than if we never miss a Sunday sermon or a night of Bible study in life groups. It doesn't mean anything to God if, we listen, if, if all we do is just listen to Christian radio or watch movies and TV shows that are on pure flicks and nothing else, right? If we don't have that integrity, that doesn't mean anything to God. God's not impressed with our Jesus bumper stickers if we're driving around cutting people off and flipping people to bird. God doesn't care about that. It's not impressive to him, right? That cool Jesus t-shirt that you love, that Lifehouse t-shirt is awesome, but don't wear it if you're going to go and be rude to people at Walmart, okay? <laughs> God, doesn't, God doesn't care about that. God is not impressed with that. However, this verse is not saying that we shouldn't Obviously, that, we, that religious practices don't matter. It's not saying that they shouldn't be practiced. It's just saying that don't go to church. It's not saying don't go to church and don't worship. No, it's rather saying that they mean nothing if we don't have a life full of integrity. That means that everything we do as Christians should be honoring to Jesus. Biblical integrity, it looks like in our lives, putting Jesus first in everything that we do. The Apostle Paul, I like how he puts it in Ephesians 4, verse 22. And this, this theme of, of integrity is threaded all throughout Scripture. And uh, Paul is saying in Ephesians 4, 22, he says, Throw off your old and sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Deception, that's the opposite of integrity, right? It says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He says it again in Titus 2.7. It says, and you yourselves must be an example to them, doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the what? The integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. He takes it one step further in the, in the book of Colossians. It's Colossians 3.5. says, so put to death these earthly things lurking within us have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, impurity, lust, or evil desires. Don't be greedy, for an, a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Some intense language. Put it to death, right? But what does this look like for us? How do we as Christ followers, how do we as Christians get a hold of that kind of integrity? What does it look like for us to, to show that kind of integrity in the world around us? I believe one of the best examples of biblical integrity like this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you're like me and you grew up in church, or even if you didn't, you may have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a very uh, common Sunday school story here. But the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is found in Daniel chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1, and we'll make our way through the story, so hang in there with me. We're going to have the words on the screens as well. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn there. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
are, are Jewish captives. They're, they were captured prisoners of war, if you will, but not like the prisoners of war that we're familiar with. These were young men who were, who were taken, and they were put into positions of power and authority. They were given, they were lavished gifts upon by, the, by, the, the, by their captors to help indoctrinate them into the culture in which they were taken, right? So we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were appointed to their positions of, of power by their friend Daniel, we, uh, you know, who the book is named after. But they're in, the na- they're in the land of Babylon. And we see the people of Israel all throughout the Old Testament, they go through these cycles, right? And this is one of the, one of the downswings of the cycles that they go through. The people of Israel go through these cycles where they, they worship God, they praise God, and they're successful in, in, their military, in their military campaigns. And then they turn away from God and they sin, and then God's judgment and God's wrath is upon them. Well, this is one of those times in, in the history of Israel where God's wrath and judgment is upon them. So the nation of Israel is, is captive by the nation of Babylon here. So there were others, not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a lot of young men, a lot of people were captured by the armies of Babylon. The king of Babylon, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was a great military tactician, one of the the most uh, prolific um, uh, kings or emperors of the Babylonian empire at this time. His reign lasted a staggering 40 years, which uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but in that time was a super long time. He was also a, a, a visionary and a builder. He um, was, is credited with building lots of things, one of which being the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which, is one of the most, uh, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. But Nebuchadnezzar had a fatal downfall. And his, his fatal downfall was that he thought very, very highly of himself. And historians have even found carved stone tablets that read things like, King Nebuchadnezzar the Great, King of the Universe. That sets the stage a little bit here for Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. you got to think pretty highly of yourself to build a 90-foot tall statue of yourself and to put it up. And so it says he built a 90-foot wide statue and set it up on the plains of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers and the officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, and magistrates and all of the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then a herald shouted out, People of all races, nations, and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zitar, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. If anyone refuses to obey... Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. I want us to imagine for a second, imagine for a second, close your eyes and imagine it with me, that you are Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. You're placed in a position of power and authority in a strange land. And you have all kinds of riches and all kinds of authority at your disposal. And you're in this position and and you're, all of a sudden, you're placed with this huge conundrum, this huge challenge of your integrity that you know God expects you to have. They were told to worship this false man-made image or be burned alive. The music starts playing and you know what's at stake. It's a little more at stake here than just some extra pocket change like in the story at the beginning. 
Let's continue in verse 7. It says, so at the sound of the musical instruments, it says, all of the people. Everybody say that with me. All of the people. If you're online, put that in the chat. We're going to come back to that. Underline that in your Bible. If you've got a paper Bible with you, we're going to come right back to that. But it says, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers, or your translation might say Chaldeans, went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zitar, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. So the music plays. All the instruments start up and the music plays. And we see in verse 7 that all of the people, there are other Jewish people, there are other people of the nation of Israel in Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says that everybody bows down. All of the people. And there are others who know the true and living God. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand alone. They stand alone in their refusal to worship this false god. Verse 12 says, the Chaldeans were continuing, and they said, but some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they, brought, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? We see in this passage that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand up, literally stand up for what they believe in, and they do not worship the statue like they're commanded. But we see their integrity is not met with respect or, or understanding. No, on the contrary, it is met with, with hatred and condemnation and contempt. But the boys stand firm regardless. They stand firm exemplifying a life full of integrity. When we stand up for what is right and what is just, when we walk with the integrity that God expects us, sometimes the people around us are not going to be happy about it. Living a life full of God-expected integrity will not always please those around us. I remember a couple of years ago, I was selling a, a vehicle. I was selling a vehicle to a gentleman on the internet, and we agreed on the price, and we met up, and he gave me the money, and we go to do the, the title transfer, go to do the, the tag transfer and all that stuff. And he says, before we go in, he says to me, hey, before we go in, I, wanna, I just wanted to see, uh, you know, you're okay if I tell them that, tell the, the DMV, tell them that I only paid like $200 for this car. And it was, you know, a couple thousand dollars for this car. But he's like, are you okay if I just tell them that? He's like, I don't really want to have to pay the taxes on this. And I kindly informed him, no, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, I do my best to live a life full of integrity. And he lost it. Started screaming and swearing and carrying on something terrible, almost backed out of the sale, all because I stood up for integrity. And I informed him, I said, listen, I said, I'm not comfortable doing this. I said, I, you know, I, you know, I try to follow Jesus and, and as best I can and live this life full of integrity. 
but he didn't understand. He was not happy about it. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, sometimes when we live a life full of integrity, the heat will get turned up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to Nebuchadnezzar in verse 16. And I, lo- I absolutely love their reply. It's my favorite, favorite, pa- favorite scriptures in this whole passage. It says, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. They tell Nebuchadnezzar, it doesn't matter what happens to us. We are not going to bend, crack, falter, or cave. Even if that furnace gets heated up a million times hotter than it already is, we are not going to fail. We are not going to lose our integrity. Man, that is the kind of integrity that I want to seek after. Knowing the punishment knowing what's going on, knowing what will happen, what's going to happen. Literally, the decree said, worship the statue or be thrown in the furnace. It's a complete ultimatum. Even if it means their death, they hold fast to their integrity. We may never be threatened with being thrown into a literal fire for holding fast to our integrity, but we will surely be tested. Maybe not as intense as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I have no doubt that our integrity will be tested. Students, for you, maybe that looks like a friend somehow came across the answers to your test on Friday. And they say, hey, I'll give these to you and we can both get A's on this test. And you really need that A on your test, right? So maybe you don't actually cheat, but you use the the answers as a study guide and you follow along and, and then you take the test, but... Or maybe you're working a job, you're in an office, and one of your coworkers comes up to you and says, hey, they heard such and such gossip about somebody else in the office. And you could use that information as ammunition to put that in your boss's ear so you can put yourself in better light with them. Or maybe you work a blue-collar job, a mechanic, a plumber, a builder of some kind, and you're light on work for the week. So when you're working on the job, you see something else that you know, it doesn't really need fixed, but maybe you say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll add that into it as well. It doesn't really need fixed now, but it will, be, it will eventually, and we justify that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's tax season. Tax season rolls around. We don't want to pay the government any more than we already do. So maybe you fudge some numbers on your TurboTax, or you cut some corners, and no one's really getting hurt by that, Right? doesn't really matter to God all that much. Verse 19 says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Ever seen someone's face get distorted with rage? It gets all twisted up, like really gnarly looking. And all, I just picture that. He's just like, he's so furious his face is twitching. <laughs> But he commands that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual. And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind, to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Verse 21, so they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. 
And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring fire. It says, but suddenly, say, but suddenly, but suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Did we, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? And they said, well, yes, yes, we did. Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door on the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire, and the high officers, officials, and governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire hadn't touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. God protects Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because of their integrity. This is a miracle, right? There is no humanly, way, humanly uh, conceivable way that this is possible, that you can throw somebody into a fiery furnace and they come out completely unscathed and not even smelling like smoke. We do campfires at our house sometimes, and I am not in the fire, I am just near the fire, and I always end up smelling like smoke. Always. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand up when no one else was. In verse 7, it says, all the people bowed down, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God looks after and protects those who live this life full of integrity. Verse 28 continues, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to, to worship or serve any God except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their house will be burned into a heap of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to an even higher position in the province of Babylon. We see in this story, because of their integrity, King Nebuchadnezzar recognizes and praises the true and living God. That's a challenge for us, right? Can the people around us see our integrity so much and see the God that we serve through how we live our lives? We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are rewarded by God for this. They're promoted even higher. They were already in a position of authority. But God said, you know, but Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to place you even in a higher position. And God, you know, ordained this and has uh, moved them and blessed them and rewarded them because of their integrity. Zach and the praise team, if you guys would come in closing here. God will reward us for living a life full of of integrity. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we can be also be blessed by God if we live a life full of integrity. Live that life full of integrity that he expects of us. We don't often talk about reward in church, but it's true. God wants to bless us. He wants to reward us for living this life full of integrity. 
This is why he expects this of us, because he wants us to receive this reward. And this reward, whether it be here on earth or it be in heaven, that reward's waiting for us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were so certain of this reward that they stood fast. And they told Nebuchadnezzar, we don't have to defend ourselves against you. The God whom we serve is able to save us and he will rescue us from your power. But it says, even if he doesn't, they are so certain of that reward. They are so certain of the God that they serve. They had faith that God was with them and that even if it killed them, that they would be rewarded for it in the next life. James 1.12 says that God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. I'd say that fiery furnace was some testing. It says, afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Not just in heaven, but on earth, God can reward us as well. The expectation of integrity that God has placed upon us is not to be burdensome or restraining. It's freeing for us when we live that life full of integrity. Because of this, God will bless us. So students, church, I want you to stand strong and stand firm in your integrity so that when that friend gives you the opportunity to compromise your integrity, you say, I'm not gonna do that. And God will give you a better grade because you didn't compromise than if you would have cheated. Or that gossip you heard in the office, it just goes in one ear and out the other. And you say, I'm not gonna entertain that kind of toxicity in the workplace. And your boss looks at you and says, hey, I heard what happened. I heard about this going around and I know you didn't spread it and then promotes you because of your integrity. Blue collar workers, I could personally attest to this, that God can do more with what we gain with integrity than, he could, than we could ever do with our ill gains. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God expects each of us to live a life full of integrity. The big question is, is how do we respond to that expectation? Would you please stand? More than anything in this life, God expects us to live a life full of integrity. It's more important to God that we live a life full of integrity than us being here this morning in church. God expects us to live a life with nothing but integrity and because of that expectation, he will reward us for it. I know this isn't a real amen message, it's a challenge, it's work. It takes, it takes energy and time and, 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 and work to do this but it's worth it. God will reward us for that. Let's bow. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that the, your word would not return void. God, and that you would help each and every one of us to walk the life full of integrity that you expect of us. God, so that when these trials and these tribulations and these temptations come, God, we can stand firm like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When nobody else around us is standing, God, help us to stand. 
God, and we thank you in advance for the reward that you will bestow upon us for standing firm in our integrity. God, thank you for giving us this example of integrity that we can see it and we can learn from it. God, I pray that you would bless everybody under the sound of my voice that is already walking with integrity, that walks with you every day. God, and those of us, myself included, that struggle, God, give us grace. And Jesus, help us to become more like you each and every day. Lord, and those in the house that may not know you, that say, I want to live this life of integrity, I want to walk this out, but it's so hard to do on my own. God, wrap them in your loving arms today. God, reveal yourself to them in a way that only you can. Heavenly Father, I pray these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen and amen. from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.